Once was a land of woe and strife Where the people were bereft of hope They prayed to their gods of might and light To deliver the heroes of old Instead they got Heroes, did you hear the quotes in my voice of moral ambiguity? They may help or may not help you at all, depends on what's in it for them. They kick and they punch and they maul and they smash. They lie and they scheme and they burn and they slash. Succeed or fail, it has to the tell. Dungeons and debacles starts now. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Dungeons and Debacles podcast. I'm your host and Dungeon Master Kevin. Going around the table, Hannah. I'm Hannah, and I'll be playing Talia the Human Rogue. And John. Hello, I'm playing a Lunadas, Elven Monk. I may be a little bit distracted, although I seem to have worn the puppy out for the moment. <laughs> and Blake. I'm Blake, and I play Julia, the Dragonborn Elder Knight slash Wizard. And Shane. Uh, I'm Shane, playing Alexander the Human and Bird. All right, so on this episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast, this will be a leveling episode since everybody hit level six. Yay! Woo! So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Hannah, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit uh, about your character, her background, what she looks like, uh, her class. What's her deal? Okay, so um, Talia is... She actually just turned 12. Woohoo! Happy birthday! Um... She's a 12-year-old girl, uh, orphan, with a tragic backstory, um, as always, and uh, she's a tragic backstory, as, as one would expect um, someone in her current situation to have. Um, she uh, sort of took up a life of crime because she didn't see it as another op- any other option to... Um, to her her situation uh she's rogue which means she gets all kinds of awesome things um she just hit level six which means that she gained expertise in two more things which means that my sleight of hand and my stealth are now epic um i also dropped i'm sure if you've been listening you've heard me try to use poison spray several times and failed miserably because it's useless so i dropped poison spray and picked up uh toll the dead which is a necromancy spell. It's super awesome. Um, it uh, if it's if if my target is missing any hit points, the damage is one d twelve. Otherwise, it's one d eight, and I get two uh, uh, di- two d twelve or d eight dice because uh, I am above level five. So that's an awesome uh, cantrip that I just picked up. Um, she's I mean she she's kind of awesome. She likes to throw her dagger and kill stuff, and uh, she's super good at it. Other than that, I mean, not all. Not, that's kind of her story. She's just a. She's got a tragic story and has picked hooked up with a, a, a team of, you know, questionable characters. <laughs> I go a little bit further than questionable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's she she's hooked up with you know a, a, a several several people who have helped her out, but are also, you know, kind of doing something that the rest of the world would view as evil. Um, well, the, I'm not sure she would. The first night you hooked within 24 hours of hooking up with these this lot, they went and murdered some people in their house. Well, that's fine. They shouldn't have fought back. It's not their fault. Yeah, and, they didn't and fight we did back. it for a noble cause. We did it for money. Exactly. Perfectly 
perfectly normal. Uh, I guess that could have been a red flag that maybe these these weren't exactly good influences on her life. But um, I mean, given her situation and her background, it's uh, I mean they've been good to her, and that's that's really what matters, right? Yeah, and right, it's like, <laughs> and within like a couple days, you're having that discussion. It's like, why are we doing this? And you're like, oh, well, we work for an eagle drag, evil dragon cult. And you're like, oh, okay. Um, it's not an. I get ice cream. We're writing an ancient wrong. God. Okay, so <laughs> everybody's I mean, the fair, hero the, in their own story, John. At, at the time, Talia was pretty much just thinking, okay, this is a really good meal ticket, and they've actually given me money and food. Like, okay, they might be evil, but what is evil really? Because there are two sides to every story. Like, y- you know, like, sure, society considers them evil, but I mean, you know. That vanilla they, they ice cream makes people. it a little less gray. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's been, it's she's enjoyed herself and kind of come into her own with this group because she has kind of found her true calling of, of killing things, and she's really good at it. Probably not good for a 12-year-old. Uh, psychologically. Like, looking back at it, it's it's probably a terrible thing for a 12-year-old. But, you know, she's enjoying herself, and that's what matters. I can't wait to start seeing you, like, role-playing, using that advantage as, like, a 12-year-old girl to assassinate people. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. I can't wait either. Just, you, you should send was... us in to assassinate a priest, and she takes advantage of the fact that she's a child, and priests did that. I mean, yeah, she's she's super proficient. It, she's it, she's an expert in deception and persuasion now. I'm sure she could sneak her way in and gain their trust and then kill them in their sleep. I mean, that's it's kind of the, the, what she, like, the ultimate goal for her, because she's already killed someone in cold blood. Like... She has, on her own, decided that she needed to kill someone, and she did it in a horrifying manner. And uh, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, if anything, it's going to get worse, because now as like a, uh, a preteen, you're going to be super moody. Oh yeah, oh yeah, all the moodiness. All the moodiness, and look forward to crushes on strange people that she just passes and swoons a little bit, and then... You know, she doesn't want to be that girl because she doesn't see herself as that girl. So she's going to fight against it. And, you know, like like a preteen, it's going to be great. Uh, look forward to, to preteen shenanigans and uh, trying to ship all of her friends. And you are going to have a lot of trouble sitting still until you turn 13. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that she would. I, I think that she's going to have a lot of trouble sitting still well past 13. <laughs> but that's probably, you know probably pretty normal i think the biggest problem is going to be your socialization just for the fact that you're being homeschooled and in like an assassin school and you know there's nothing wrong with that you say that like it's a bad thing it's fine we're a wandering band of murderers and thieves sure i learned to to read and sure i learned to read on spell books and and you know like it's totally fine this is fine guys the only friends you have are like dragon cult psychopaths. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. I I, I love her and I, I love the group that we're with. Um, and she's totally gonna have some messed up. Uh, she, it, her brain is 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 not gonna be right for the rest of her life. I I actually have plans to write a short story 
about her, like, in her later years, assuming that she makes it past this adventure with them, um, and survives, uh, and it's, it's gonna be great. It's, um... It's gonna be her memoir at her ripe old age of, like, 31? Uh, well, I've, uh, like, the story I've started, she's about 22, and she has split up from the, from the group, and is, is stealing, uh stealing things and and uh, for uh, but this is in the future it, it doesn't matter because it's probably it's never gonna get published anyway it's just for for me but um but yeah no she's she's a 12 year old girl who has you know really bad influence like honestly really bad influences on her um but in the most you know in that in that way where like it's bad influence but they're trying to be a you know a good influence on her but like they're bad people so they're bad influences on her like from her perspective i'm sure it's it's not that way because it's really easy to not view yourself as as evil or or as as a bad person when you're trying to set a goal and you think that what you're doing is right uh and so you know at, at now that she's with this group like she's pretty much convinced that this is you know what they're supposed to do like this is yeah this makes sense she's she's hung out with you know uncle luno like he's he's i'm sure he's explained things to her and and it makes sense but like that doesn't in all honesty they're terrible influences on her and and i look forward very much to playing uh playing around with the sass and the and the um just general preteen shenanigans in the in the world of killing people because that's what she does it's it's funny because it's like your parental figures are kind of like you know help we're going to go, uh, we need your help uh, burning down this temple of Palor, but uh, don't forget to brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very, very much like that. Like, very, you know, still make sure you brush your teeth. Have you have you washed your face recently? Wash your hands before you eat. Uh, you know, there's still blood on them from when we assassinated that, that governor. Like, yeah. Uh, Study your spells before bed. Exactly. It's, and that's, you know, I mean, but at the same time, like, her her backstory isn't exactly isn't exactly great, and while they might might be you know killing people, and and she's really good at it, like she's not exactly when they found her, she wasn't exactly in a stable place to begin with, and and she's you know just kind of rolling with it because this is the most stable life she's had since she was three or less than that. So yeah, like it's an evil life, but it's stable, and that's what matters. Um, so since we're talking about that, talk a little bit about uh, your relationships with the other people in the uh, party. Juliet took her in, taught her how to read, how to write, um, kind of really became a mother figure to her. And, and that's, that's huge. And, and she trusts Juliet with everything. Um, Alunadas, again, she, she went when they were on the Isle of, of Insight, she he be kind of became her partner in crime, literally her partner in crime. Um, and that built a lot of trust between them. And, um, they've, they've really bonded over, over that time. And they're, you know, they're taking, Alunidas is helping her take care of, um, helping her take care of Abbott and, and her horse and all that kind of stuff. Cause she's 12, you know, yeah, she can take care of them, but she doesn't know how to take care of them. And he's, he's helping her out with that. And uh, so he's kind of became, I used the word father figure before, I think uncle is a little closer because he's, you know, that weird uncle that's funny and, and can't quite be a father figure because he's also a really bad influence on her because 
he never stopped her from eating all that ice cream and gaining like 10 pounds. And there's the thing where he beats people to death with his fists. Well, yeah, but that's totally normal. Like that's, that's the life she's in. So she doesn't really take that into account, but yeah, so he's, um, Adel who has, can, can I say he has since passed? (laughs) Uh, yeah. Kind of, kind of drove her nuts because he was dumb. And even she, an uneducated street rat could see how, how rash, and 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 kind of not he didn't think ahead and it drove her crazy because he didn't he he just he was a truth he flew into a rage yeah he 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 would fly into a rage about the about things and make not smart decisions and that that she didn't understand um and then alexander i think they've i think they've you know kind of i'm sure they've bonded a little bit over their journeys because they've been traveling for months now together and uh, she's not as close to him, but um, I foresee that changing, and and her really becoming closer to the the rest of the party as a whole, not just you know not not just Juliet and Lunadas, but uh, I know that I, I I I can see that happening, and I can see her starting to get concerned about some things and some of his behaviors in the future. It's really going to be an awkward episode when we have that uh, dear Paylor, it's me Margaret episode. <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> Talia gets her period. Ooh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's. Can't her for dragons lay eggs, right? Dragonborn? I don't know. Uh, I actually, I, that's. I, I don't think it's gonna be. It might be an awkward episode, but I actually see it as being a really funny. As you know, three guys who have no idea what to do, and a dragonborn woman who also has no idea what to do, <laughs> uh, all trying to find someone who can tell them what to do because they have no idea. So in three, instead of three men and a baby, it's uh, three adventurers and an three assassin. Three little lady. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 gonna be. I, I foresee it being a hilarious episode in the future. Just like, hey, uh, guys, um, there's something going on, and nobody's explained this to me because my upbringing was absolute crap, and I don't know what's going on. I need someone to tell me what's going on. What the fuck is going on? Nobody, and, nobody and stabbed me during like, the last fight. Yeah, exactly. Like, why is there blood on... Why is there blood there? I didn't get stabbed. What the... Guys! Guys, I need healing. (laughs) I need healing. (laughs) And with these references, we've lost about half of our subscribers. We'll keep going. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just, yeah, no, it's going to be great. I I, I foresee it just being absolutely hilarious, but also uh, extremely awkward and, and... Hopefully, in the best way possible. <laughs> the most fucked uh, up after school special you ever heard. Exactly. <laughs> in the middle of a fight, you lose your shit because of cramps and just stab someone to death. Really, <laughs> really, really, really too much. Right. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna be great. Her, I, I, I love, I love playing Talia. She's a lot of fun. Um, because, because I, I, I just. While she has a background, there's still so much that can be molded and and whatnot with her. Like she can she her her who she really is is still developing, and and being able to play that and watch it happen is amazing. And I I really enjoy playing her. Plus, I also like the fact that it's like yeah, you're adventurers and you're discovering this world, but there's like another layer where you've got like this little girl who would be like discovering things like in normal life and now she's like in this completely bizarre situation for someone her age 
Yeah, it's, yeah. All right, is there anything else you want to say about Talia? I mean, in terms of numbers, not really. She, uh, she doesn't, I, I mean, like I said, she, she gained some stuff. She dropped a crappy spell. She picked up what seems, I'm hoping, to be an awesome spell. Um, and uh, her character, I feel, is really developing well. And yeah, I mean, that's about it. Uh, talk a little bit about the uh, equipment that you've got right now. Oh, um, yeah. I So she has picked up recently um, a leather armor that gives her plus one, which is awesome. And also plus one um, to her initiative, which is also really cool. Um, she has picked up an adamantine dagger, I believe is... I'm saying. Yep. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, that she uses in her offhand, and a dagger that when she throws it, I think I had this last uh, level up episode, but when she throws it, it comes back to her, and that's proved to be super handy. Um, and uh, she's picked up. There was something else. I'm trying to remember what that is. Do you have the? I think it was a brooch or a necklace that gives you advantage on like poison saves or something. No, I don't think I picked that up. Um, I know that we have it, but I think somebody else... I think it was Lunadas that picked it up. Um, I don't uh. see it in my thing. It might be Shane, or Alexander. It might be. Um, but I think it was either that or, or uh, Adel picked it up, because... But... Because uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think that she got that, uh, that amulet. It was at the... Am- Amulet of Favor? Is that what it was called? I believe so. Then it was Juliet that picked it up. She got that. Um, but no, I think I think that's about it. I, I mean, I have a coin of eavesdropping, which is super cool. I uh, haven't gotten a chance to use it yet, but um, I can foresee that being used a lot in the future. And uh, Oh no, I did! I got a bronze amulet! Advantage against poison and plus one to saves against poison. Yep. Yay! Um... So I did. I did get that, and I also my my favorite, which is completely useless, but it's a, pil- a cool pillowcase. But both sides are always cool to the touch. Um, she's sleeping much more comfortably now. Uh, but yeah, I think I think in, in equipment that's that was about it. I picked up an adamantine dagger that I use for my offhand. That um, that's super cool, and my throwing dagger, which is also really awesome, and I, I really enjoy that. You know, that cool pillowcase probably could have helped you out in the uh, volcano. Oh my god, it could have, because I could have wrapped myself in it and been cool. I'm st- Oh god. Why didn't I even think about that? <sighs> <laughs> Alright, uh, anything else? Um, I'm going through. I don't think so. I have. I now have expertise in everything I'm, a pro- I'm proficient in, which is pretty cool. And, um, except for my thieves' tools, but, you know, that's okay. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that was basically all that changed about her her stats was that I she got a couple a couple of cool daggers and some sweet leather armor, um, and uh, and yeah, and and her and her expertises, which is awesome. And I guess we could say this: uh, you looted that manacore poison from uh, Adel. I did. I have some new some new manacore poison that I can put on my daggers when I throw them, which will be or stab people. I, I do actually go up and stab people still. I don't always throw my dagger. But, uh, either way, it'll be super handy, uh, I'm sure in the future. 
See, I don't need poison spray anymore because I have poison that I can put on a dagger. It's totally more useful. You also get that poison from those spiders. I did. Oh, I never put that down. I I rolled really, really well on my animal handling somehow. <laughs> I think. Oh, I put that in my uh, actual. I didn't put that on the the sheet, but I did put that. I put that on my actual character sheet. Alrighty. So, uh, John, tell us uh, about Alunidas. And I don't right, think so we did Alunidas. we ever explain like uh, what his name means. Uh, yeah, at various points in the past. It's it's Portuguese. It means student of the claws of ruin. Um, nothing too fancy there. <laughs> but Luno was raised in a, you know, a far-off hermitage by monks. He is a true believer in the cult of ruin. Thinks that they are righting an ancient wrong, that they're wandering the world trying to rescue a wrongly imprisoned you know, ancient red dragon who was just trying to recover her offspring who had been kidnapped. So he sees himself as a warrior for righteousness. He just so happens to be willing to kill people for money and burn shit down and destroy the world because, you know, that's what you do when you're on the side of righteousness. You're willing to do whatever it takes. All right. As for relationships, Luno uh, seems to have a good working relationship with Juliet. They, they sort of discuss where they think the group is going and how... And, you know, whether or not, you know, someone needs to die or be sacrificed, things like that. <laughs> and they have, a, <laughs> they have a good sort of paternal relationship going on with, uh, with Talia. You know, steering her on the right path, making sure she, she, she grows up right. Until you're like, you know, Talia, she's really, she hadn't been eating her vegetables lately. Um, I think we need to sacrifice her to this fire elemental. <laughs> That's less likely to happen, but you never know. That totally worked out well, by the, by the way, guys. <laughs> Less of a relationship with Alexander. But, uh, maybe, you know, in the future, uh, Luna will help Alexander with his uh, little dagger problem or decide to, you know, beat him to death because he's a distraction from their greater good. You never know. But uh, Luna was really, really happy to see Adel go. He was an embarrassment to the name of the cult. <laughs> Always giving in fights and trying to steal from fellow members of the cult, picking fights with members of the cult, risking the good name of the cult, bringing attention. To... He was just bad. He was a bad cultist. <laughs> Plus, he he wasn't a true believer either. Yeah, he uh, he admitted that during the fight with, uh, with Turin, and Luno was... I wouldn't say disenchanted, but disgusted and more than willing to see him die from that point on. <laughs> I'm not mad at you, Adel. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> to death. <laughs> and of course, Luno now has a, a, heart, a, a cart and horse, you know, Buttercup. So he, he's kind of an evil friar tuck. And instead of brewing beer, he cooks and kills people. Uh, tell us about uh, the character excel, uh, itself, like... Uh you know, attributes, what what he looks like, what his deal as a monk is. Well, he is a wood elf. You know, he's you know, fairly short, slender, uh, brown skin, reddish-brown hair. And as a monk, he uh, is very, very good on movement. So combined with being an elf and being level 6, he now has a speed of 10. Uh, so he's running around 50 feet per minute, which I don't know how fast that is. Uh, compared to, I mean, 
50 feet per minute? Well, 10 speed per round, so return. Oh, okay. Return is a... So that's 50 feet in 10 seconds. Okay, so, yeah, wow. <laughs> six seconds, rather. So uh, 10 turns per minute, that would mean uh, 500 feet per minute, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, monks also have chi, and at 6th level, he has 6 chi points to spend, which he can use to do extra attacks or do uh, a more powerful attacks, such as a, a stunning strike or knocking someone prone or pushing them around with DC saves, of course. And thus he is uh, kind of able to control the battlefield a bit, as well as you know, just doling out uh, chunks of damage here, there, and everywhere. D6 plus 4 every time he lands a hit. Which can be up to 4 attacks per turn if he plays his cards right. And also now that he's level 6, his fists count as magic. So um, he can get through uh, immunity and resistance that way. So he has discarded those adamantine uh, brass knuckles. He realizes he is the adamantine knuckles. Sweet. Now, how does that work with uh, the fist? Do they get game pluses over, or is that just like the proficiencies? Um, well, of course, he does gain in proficiencies over time, but they also uh, gain more damage uh, as he levels up. So they, they started out as D4 plus his various modifiers. Now they're D6 plus his modifiers, and the damage die will keep increasing as he keeps on going up in levels. So what's like the highest damage die you can get? I can check that out real quick. I guess it'd be like a D10. Yep, D10 by the time he gets to level 17. 4 D10 ain't shabby. Not even a little bit. Plus, you know, by that point, he'll have various other bonuses. And it's 4 D10 plus 4 at the moment. So, <laughs> or 4 D6 plus 4 at the moment. So a minimum of uh, 16 damage if, per turn if he hits up to uh, 24 damage. So he can he can deal out the punishment. So uh, what's he look like? Like I said, he's he's small, he's slender, uh, brown skin, reddish brown hair. Uh, kind of in a monk's cut, so shaved on the sides and the back, but long on top and gathered back into a ponytail. And uh, his alignment? Neutral evil. Although he doesn't think of himself. That's the best kind of evil. And Talia, what was your alignment? Uh, I'm neutral evil. The final thing that Luno gained at level 6 was wholeness of body. Uh, means that he can start healing himself a little bit. Uh, up to three times his level in hit points. Once per long rest. Uh, so, how does that work? So, once per long rest, you're level 6, you would get 18 hit points back? Yep. So, a third of his hit points. So, not, not, not a huge game changer, but enough to you know really help in a fight or something. It's an action. Does that uh, require a, a chi point? Uh, no, it just requires taking an action. And, and you can do that once per long rest. That's cool. So it's basically like a uh, second win. He is going to be the one who, if any of the other members try to stray from the true path, he will be the one to basically either you know, try to gently correct them or have them murdered by other members of the cult. You know, what do you do? <laughs> I was going to say, how are you going to enforce that? But yeah, if you're going to have them murdered. <laughs> and we really haven't discussed much like what's going on with like your cult. 
you know, um, as far as the the monks, are you in still in communication with them? How does that work? Uh, well, when he comes into areas that might have the cult, he can you know, uh, talk with them and maintain some sort of relationship. But other than that, he's more the the wandering evil monk who tries to do the the work of ruin. Your dragon cane walking the earth. Yes. Blake, tell us about Juliet. All right. So as you know, Juliet is kind of the fighter slash caster of the party. Uh, She's a red dragonborn from the city of Kala, and she used to be a town guard there. That dissolved quite quickly, uh, (laughs) given the first few episodes. So Juliet's very much a a believer in Tiamat and knowledge in general. She really enjoys learning, reading, and she's loved the idea of magic since she was young. It's just this fantastic ability. And though her upbringing, she was kind of in a middle class uh, family, but she was forced into the lower class areas because that's really all she had to hang out with. So she ended up with this kind of rough and tumble exterior with the interior of a a sage so maybe not the best uh social person but certainly someone who enjoys learning um so as if you watch from the beginning you know that uh, juliet in the very first few episodes along with alexander turned on her party because sish is it sish or sesh i always forget it's It's sesh right sish Sish, okay. Because Sish decided to hit, critically hit uh, our ally and do a ton of damage. And uh, Julia and Alexander were very scared by this, so we turned on the party and decided we would pledge our allegiance to the Red Talons, if only to save our own lives. Or at least that's what Juliet did. So she's become this force of evil, even though she's already been lawful evil she's already been kind of a bully she's kind of abused maybe not abuses but she certainly doesn't use her power as being a guard she never used it properly so now she kind of has an excuse to do whatever she wants with this cult because now she has well maybe not the authority to do anything but certainly there's an air of legitimacy to what she does and she's able to justify it to herself although that is quickly changing how so Well, after the end of the Isle of Insight, where one of the Red Talion associates murdered uh, not only an innocent person, uh, but also, oh no, was was the person innocent? No, they knew about the whole Red Talion deal and they had to tie up the loose ends. But not only did they kill one of their associates, they killed the kid of one of the associates. And that really put Juliet like that blew her away. She was like, "Oh God, what if I what am I, what am I an accomplice to now?" At that point, she hadn't had to really dirty her hands with innocent blood, so to speak. All of them were combatants, or Adel did the killing for them because Adel's Adel. And having Talia on the party also made her realize that kids are pretty innocent. Talia might be not so much anymore, but Juliet is not comfortable with a lot of what the Red Talons do. So when we stumble upon the Red Talon in that cage, uh, I forget her name, but... Rylana? Yes. Juliet 
chose to say, ah, oh, yes, let's just leave her, let her rot in there. Because Julia isn't really comfortable about calling herself a red talon anymore. And uh, she also, for whatever reason, the, the stated goal, at least this is my understanding, the stated goal of the red talons is to bring back uh, Runaxis to destroy the world. And that kind of seems like a silly idea to Julia. She's doing it just because she wanted to save her hide originally, and she doesn't want to go back on that deal. But she's certainly questioning it now because they're killing kids. They're actually getting to the point where they're collecting these artifacts and have a chance to destroy the world. And Juliet's starting to back off. She's like, whoa, I don't know if this is such a good idea anymore, guys. But she'd never vocalized that. At least she hasn't yet, which is something that uh, she's going to discuss with Alunadas in the near future. That should be an interesting conversation. <laughs> Sean, they may be killing your character again. <laughs> Hopefully we can come to some understanding that involves not destroying the world. Because I don't I don't think that is Alunadas's goal. He sees if I'm if I'm correct, he sees bringing Runax more of back. a metaphorical. Metaphorical. Plus, I mean, it's not been said that, hey, we're bringing Axis back just so she could destroy the world. It's more of like Axis is going to, you know, dominate the world and these people in this dragon cult are going to be given positions of power. Okay, gotcha. It's not like we need her to bring, bring her back to kill all sentient beings on the planet. Oh, you know what? I know where I got confused. I got confused because... That their tagline originally was we're going to bring ruin to the world and I misinterpreted that as uh, destroying it so I guess that, that meant bringing your axis back not necessarily destroying it you know and at least that's what's on the recruitment poster you know <laughs> there may be machinations behind that that you don't know about or haven't learned about at this point considering that you know at, you're kind of low on the totem right now, um, even though you've been gathering these items of power. So you're probably going to be given, you know, positions of more power, considering, you know, what you've been able to do that the other cultists haven't been able to do. Yeah, Juliet will definitely be demanding either some answers or some power or a little bit of both for gathering these artifacts. And the fact that she doesn't know anything, what's going to be done with them besides bringing them back. I mean, she could just keep the artifacts for herself and study them for all she wants. She's going to need no, she some can't. incentive. Luna says, no, she can't. Sharing is caring. So talk a little bit about the, uh, the relationships with like... Uh, currently with like a Lunadoss and the rest of the party. <laughs> All right. So now that Adel is dead, Julia is very, she's torn about it because on the one hand, Adel was this very pushy, very uh, unhelpful person in trying to negotiate the party and bring them in a direction. But at the same time, he provided a very convenient scapegoat for everything that went wrong. And now she kind of has to do things herself or has to rely on other party members and can't push the blame onto someone else. So that's a little weird. And she doesn't mind taking up this leadership position, which is hopefully going to be distributed. I feel like Alunadas and uh, Alunadas is definitely going to take a step in here 
with his stuff. And Talia is coming into our home, so she's going to be rebellious. Plus, Lunados hasn't gone through the uh, Six Sigma courses yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's only OT3. (laughs) But Juliet's relationship with Talia, as we have seen, is a very much like a a mother-child relationship, almost. Uh, Juliet's kind of an awkward position, though, because she's never really been with anyone and she's never had a child. So this is entirely new to her. This is like she doesn't know how to raise a child and she doesn't know if she's going to find love, if that's a part of raising a child or if that's just kind of separate. But she's past her puberty years, so that's that at least is out of the way for her (laughs) Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, her relationship with Lunadas, she respects him a lot because he he carries himself. He does the work. He does what he says. But by God, he is a a like fanatic, and she is very worried about that because she doesn't know exactly where he stands in relation to destroying the world or whatnot. They're going to have a discussion about that at some point, obviously. Um, but the, the relationship is generally friendly. He carries his weight, she carries hers, they respect each other on a professional level, absolutely. And uh, it, interestingly, Juliet admires the fact that he can fight without needing arms or armor. He just kind of punches stuff, and that absolutely fascinates her because it shouldn't be possible. It's kind of like magic of its own kind, which is the whole point of key. Then we have Alexander and Juliet used to be with Alexander in the in the guard long ago when you know episodes way 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 back and they were somewhat friendly ish so they they know each other but Juliet doesn't really know about him or where he stands on anything other than he chose the same path she did to not die and join the red talons but she doesn't know too much about his family she doesn't know too much about his past. She doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. Like, what is he doing? What is his goal? And she will be asking him about that because there's nothing worse than having like no idea what's going on. You have to have everything figured out. She wants to figure everything out. So it's, it's a lot of unknowns with Alexander there. But, I mean, he does what he does and there's no hostilities between them but there's not really a super friendship there he's a bob in accounting that you see at the coffee machine every now and then exactly (laughs) so tell us uh a bit about uh what's up with uh juliet's uh character so she's a dragonborn she's red dragonborn red used to be a color guard really enjoys knowledge. This whole adventure has been a gold mine for her. She's learned magic on the way, which is fantastic. She's picked up so many books. She was excited to go to the Isle of Insight and actually learn stuff. She is living her dream right now. Uh, doomsday cult aside. But she... That's she all as old as time. <laughs> doomsday cult aside. Uh, you win some, you lose some. So uh, what's her alignment? She is lawful evil, which is mostly, this is really the only reason why she still pays lip service to the Red Talons, because she decided she didn't want to die that day to Sish. 
So she's made her promise and she hasn't broken it so far. And she wants to maintain that as long as it's possible because she doesn't like breaking promises. That's just not her style. And what's her multi-class build? Currently, she's a fighter wizard. The fighter, she has the, uh, what is it, archetype, I believe so, of Eldritch Knight, which is like a fighter spellcaster, spider wizard. And then she actually has uh, classes in wizard, and her specialty school in that is abjuration. So she's very defensively focused. Uh, she has some offense as well. You've seen her cast Magic Missile a million times, but... She, her, her focus is really on defense, and the reason I chose Abjuration for her is because in previous editions, and I don't know if this is true about this edition, but Abjuration in general has been more about the study of magic itself rather than the practical application. It's not a fireball, it's not a trick or an enchantment. It's the core, you're dragging magic itself. And Juliet's all about learning, so I figured that would be a great uh, companion. And what did uh, you do with her this level? You took another wizard level? I did take another wizard level, which gave me two more spells of second level. And the two spells I chose were uh, Arcanus Magic Aura and Sea Invisibility. The latter she chose Sea Invis Invisibility because surprises are not a good thing. And if there is any chance that something is invisible, whether it be a friend or a foe, she wants to know about it. Knowledge, big thing for her. The second thing, the Arcanist Magic Aura, what it does is it allows you to either disguise, hide, or uh, I guess enhance a magic items or non-magical items aura. So it can make a non-magical item seem magical or a magic item seem non-magical. And because they're collecting all of these artifacts, and because as they get more powerful, the likelihood that they have to do risky stuff increases, having that sort of power to disguise themselves magically is very important. Because if they're carrying around these artifacts, we're probably going to want to put a damper on their magical effects. Or if you have something magical that's supposed to be magical, like the holy symbol of cord she picked up in the other episode. Maybe it's supposed to look magical, and she if she doesn't have it look magical, then she's not going to pass for a priest of cord. It's pretty smart. And don't forget that uh, you and Alexandra both have spell books from uh, the uh, Isle of Inside. That is correct, and I have so many spells that I will never use. All of these spells are fantastic, and I, I just can't see a use for them. That's the problem. Things like Tensor Floating Disc, it allows me to carry more stuff. Well, she's already got a huge strength score, and we already have a bag of holding. Not going to use that. There's things like Mage Armor. If she wasn't wearing armor, that'd be good, but it doesn't help her out. There's a lot of stuff there that I haven't cast, and it's cool to have these options, but a lot of them are just kind of not useful. But that being said, being able to have Identify and Featherfall and all these other things, Absorb Elements, Alarm... These are all pretty useful stuff, so I'm glad you gave us all of that stuff. Don't think I'm not grateful. <laughs> <laughs> Thank the uh, college. Yeah. <laughs> Steph paid a lot of tuition for that. Who is the woman who was stabbed by the Red Talons along with her niece? Yeah. So, Shane, tell us about Alexander. Okay, uh, so Alexander is a human bard. 
Um, we've re retconned it to where we've taken off the one level of wizard and putting it back into Bard. Since it was a mischosen thing on my part. Uh, and so moving from a level 5 wizard, a uh, level 5 bard to a level 6 bard, I will be gaining Font of Inspiration and Counter Charm. Font of Inspiration it means that for my Bardic Inspiration, instead of it recharging on a long rest, it's going to recharge on a short rest as well. And for Counter Charm, it means that I get, uh, I can use my musical notes or words of power to disrupt mind influencing effects. So if there's somebody trying to influence our minds, I can use my instruments to counteract that and give my party mates and myself advantage. Does that work uh, as a reaction? No. So what would happen is that whenever they're trying to do that, I can uh, use like my action to uh, start playing an instrument or something to use counter charm, and then they would gain the advantage. And so at that point, they would get advantage to saving throws or being frightened or charmed. But that has to be done on your turn, right? Correct. I can't, like, do it in response to their ability. Gotcha. Yeah, so it would usually come into effect, like, say somebody does, like, a, an effect that requires a saving throw on each of their turns. I can do it on my turn, and then on their subsequent turns, it would give them advantage. Gotcha. And so with that, I also fixed up my spell slots since they're kind of goofed up. I uh, still have all the same level 1 uh, spells, so Comprehend Language, Healing Word, Disguise, Self-Identify. Uh, level 2, I only have 2 on my actual roster. Uh, another thing that I gained from level 6 is gaining my uh, bonus thing for the College of Lore. So I get additional Magical Secrets. Uh, so level 6, I learned 2 spells of my choice from any class. And then they just have to be of something that I can cast of any class. So I chose Rune of Warding and Prayer of Healing. So Prayer of Healing is just a mass AoE healing spell that heals 1d8 plus uh, Charisma modifier to everybody. And then Rune of Warding is, it can do different things, uh, so it's pretty versatile. I could like put it in a book so in case like certain, whenever certain conditions are met, it will do the effect I want, whether it be like to explode or to uh, release some sort of elemental effect. Uh, so it's pretty neat. And then for my level 2 spells outside of the level 6 bonus spells that I got, I took Suggestion and Invisibility. And then my level 3 spells are Major Image, Speak with the Dead. Yeah, those are my spells. Uh, those are super handy. Super duper handy. And then, so since we jumped from the 5th, from 4 to 5 and 5 to 6 on the bard levels, uh, some of the thing, the only two things that I really gained from level 5 is bardic inspiration. So instead of a d6 bonus to their abilities or effects, it's going to be a d8 for any effects that use my bardic inspiration. And then it just upgrades my spell slots as usual. And I think that's about it. I gained some HP, didn't really get any bonus stats or anything crazy like that. And that about wraps it up. All right, so tell me uh, a little bit about Alexander. Like, uh, what does he look like? He is a blonde dude, about 5'10", uh, average build, not very muscular or lean. Usually always has an instrument in his hand. Um, 
at least somewhere on him, whether it be his bagpipes or some sort of other instrument that he just happens to have on him. Um, usually use a long sword, has on his hip. Uh, you really and, need to get a rapier. Yeah, I do. I got one in my other campaign. It's like, man, this is actually a super good weapon compared to the long sword, because I am not strength based at all. But whenever we go to the next town, I'll probably pick one up. Actually, I think I did pick up a rapier, didn't I? Uh, I think there may have been an adamantine one. I'll have to check. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. Could he wield that, or would it be too heavy? Uh, what's your strength? My strength is nine. Uh, maybe not. Sounds about right. Um, so tell me, uh, what's your alignment in God? Uh, let me double check. Where is your God now? I don't think I have any particularly, uh, particular fealty to a particular God. He isn't necessarily against, like, the different things that the gods stand for. It's just that he doesn't necessarily align with any of them. Uh, so right now he's neutral evil, so he's not above doing things that are morally corrupt to uh, get himself ahead or make sure that he survives, such as uh, killing his teammates to not die. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about how, how it goes. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, Alexander's background. Alexander uh, grew up in the slums, I believe. It's kind of fuzzy. It's been a couple months since I've actually thought about it. Um, yeah, he grew up... Yeah, his parents had a gambling addiction, I want to say. And then uh, as he was growing up, they were always poor since his parents were shuffling out their money at the casinos. Um, and then at one point, the collectors tried to collect from him. They ran away. And then they started chasing me, quote-unquote Alexander, and uh, just kept on fleeing until... Learned to pick up some trades, uh, learned how to play some instruments to get by as a bard, and then here I am. So you were your parents like uh, losing money at high-stakes magic tournaments? You'd be surprised how intense magic tournaments get, like magic shows, you know? Like David Blaine, but in the D&D universe. <laughs> Edgelord. Uh, so talk about a little bit about your relationships with the other characters. Yeah, uh, so... I, Alexander has a bit of a soft spot for Talia, because uh, Talia just kind of got roped into it, not necessarily of her own accord. Um, him and uh, Juliet are the, the longest standing uh, people within the current group since the other former members passed away through uh, unfortunate events. And his relationship to Alunus and, uh, oh yeah, the other dude died. Right, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> I forgot that. Oh, I was like, goodness. What's Adolf's name again? Oh yeah, he's dead. Wait a minute. <laughs> Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> so yeah, uh, like for Alunidas, he's not necessarily uh, attached uh, since he's just a agent of the Red Talons. They're just there for a common goal. So how does Alexander feel about the Red Talons at this point? Uh, kind of iffy. Um, not necessarily, he's just going with the flow. He doesn't necessarily have anything, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anything disparaging to go against them. And even if he did try and go against them, there's not much that he and his power have uh, the capabilities to do. So what you're Especially saying is there's the good reasons. people on both sides. Right. <laughs> Talk a little bit about uh, your dagger. 
Oh yeah, forgot that existed. Yeah, the deck is pretty spooky, man. Um, I'm pretty sure it's gonna consume me at one point, but uh, maybe I can get it to consume others first. How does Alexander himself feel about this? I like how this has turned into like a uh, an interview, like a job interview. Show me in the doll where the dagger touched you. <laughs> where do you see yourself in the dagger in five years? <laughs> you know, those are those are very valid questions. Uh, I don't think I'm quite uh, quite up to par with the position that uh, you're trying to put me in for. Does Alexander have any concerns about the dagger and showing up in his hand in weird dreams? Yeah. But he thinks that it's gonna. If he brings it up, it's gonna probably outcast him from the group because it's kind of it's really out there, you know. So he's gonna just try to young white guy it, just not go to the doctor, nothing like that. Just hope it goes away. Uh, yeah, or try and take advantage of it while uh, nobody else knows what it is. Just hope we don't notice. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Well, everybody has taken notice of it. Uh... <laughs> If you remember uh, being back in that camp. You had a bad dream. We took the dagger away from you, and then suddenly it was back in your sheath or what have you. Whoops. At daggers. Remember, this is an evil party. We're willing to kill you, so. (laughs) It's fine. Got to cut that infection out. No, we don't need to kill him. We just need to figure out how the hell to stop it from doing whatever it's doing to him. Not for nothing, but we are next to some pools of lava, which might destroy it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Are you uh, going to smeagle this thing? Yep. Mount Doom, the fuck out of it. Or Mount Ash, or whatever it is. Sunder. Um, I guess we'll work that out in game. I guess. Ha uh-huh. ha. Because uh-huh. it's, uh... <laughs> it will come up again. Like the next time we have a fight, probably. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dungeons & Debacles podcast. If I could ask a halfling-sized favor, give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to support us. New episodes come out every Monday, so make sure to check your podcast app. Do you have an idea to make the podcast better? Tell us about it on Twitter or Facebook. You can also check out our website to see all the maps, lore, and characters at DungeonsAndDebaclesPodcast.com. And now a word from our fantasy sponsor. After a long day in the fields or the mines, all you want to do is visit the tavern with your mates and relax. You need an L that won't fill you up or empty your purse. Ask your barkeep for a Conley Light. It's made by Master Dwarven Brewers with the finest ingredients from the Plains Nation. It's a refreshing crisp L that will quench your thirst. And you can feel good about drinking tankard after tankard without that fulfilling you get from other L's. So you can keep going all night. For better times at a better price, Conley Light. The music you heard on this episode was The Party by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License. CreativeCommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.